Welcome to another episode of the Dave Stockbridge Podcast. The sun is shining, the birds singing, it's Dave from Real, and thanks so much for joining me on the podcast once again. A very special episode. This is our 100th episode of the Dave Stockbridge podcast and uh, typically you'll hear me talking about all matters with respect to real estate, our real estate market, real estate marketing and uh, and advice in terms of how to buy and sell real estate and and for the most part that's why people tune in. Of course over recent episodes we've also featured experts in real estate from well right across the country, Rod Westerhouse and um, uh, we also had John Buckley on the podcast recently talking about their respective marketplaces. And in uh, previous podcasts, we would feature uh, prominent locals, people that have uh, grown up locally and have made uh, a wonderful success of their career. And uh, today I am joined by none other than Daniel White. Daniel, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Dave. Uh, Appreciate it. So, uh, Daniel, you, uh, you're my best mate, so there's uh, not going to be a whole <laughs> lot of new stuff I'm probably going to uncover in this podcast for me. <laughs> but um, So, I, I was just explaining my origin story to some people the other day and, um, and how I'd um, uh, attempted twice to get a job at Holden's and, and mm. failed on the manual dexterity tests and, mm. um, and, uh, and so found my way into real estate. Of course, um, you passed that manual dexterity test and your, your life kind of went off in a completely different direction after that. This is true, yeah. Um, God, when was that? That was uh, 1994, wow. I believe, or three or four, four. Yeah, yeah. 1994. And uh, and so uh, and you were there on the production line for a few years. Yeah, a couple of years. Did a, a year of day shift and a year of after, a year of afternoon shift and a year of day shift after that. Yeah. So you'd say so we, we went to high school um, mm. at, at Elizabeth there at, at Fremont when it was uh, when it was Fremont when it was at Elizabeth Park before they amalgamated it with Elizabeth. Yes. And uh, not long after we left, they shut the whole show down. They did. Uh, so <laughs> I, I think it had something to do with the lowest pass rate and the lowest attendance rate in South <laughs> Australia now in yeah. a year of year yeah. twelve. Um, I'm not sure if that was just based solely on my my attendance your and your attendance, but <laughs> um, I think it spoke more broadly to the enthusiasm of the student body. Um, so, uh, and, and of course, there, there weren't too many options for, for guys like us. Of course, we were leaving school in the recession, and um, and Holdens was one of those few mm. opportunities. But uh, so you found your, your way there. Very typical northern ex- uh, suburbs experience to that point where you know you graduated from high school got yourself into uh, good safe work there at holdens but uh, there was there was really something that was um you know uh, i guess etching away in the back of your mind there, there was a there was something else that you wanted to really explore and um and that's kind of led you to where you are today mm, absolutely that's a good point actually because looking back I guess it was a bit of a difficult time to be graduating high school wasn't it around that sort of recession type era and we didn't realize at the time but in retrospect it's it's quite clear it was not an easy time to be um you know starting a career or or going out and looking for jobs yeah and i think crucially you know at that point we were the world was in a a very much a state of flux it was the uh, pre-internet era um Mm. heavy industry and manufacturing had been the backbone of our economy in the northern suburbs for Mm. the best part of a generation and it was that era where things were moving really rapidly and um, there was a great deal of uncertainty, and then, of course, you know that early '90s recession mm. um, really uh, restricted opportunities, especially for working-class um, kids yeah. that hadn't previously had work. So, 
you know, a lot of our generation found themselves into uh, casualised work um, yep. as opposed to our parents or, you know, good secure work at a, at a blue chip employer like Holden's. And, yeah. Um, but, you know, that wasn't enough. You, you could have quite happily stayed there for 25, 30 years and, or got your payout in your new mm. club sport and uh, had your house in Craigmore paid off, for instance. But, you know, you, you chose a different direction at that point. I did. Sometimes I think maybe I should have. I might have a few, uh, <laughs> quite a few more investment properties paid off by now if I had a stayed at Holden's. But, um but yeah, I, I always had a sort of burning desire to get into film and TV and movies and um, what what was sort of a bit of a pipe dream back then when I was sort of working on the line at Holden's, I was always sort of thinking about it and dreaming about it, but it uh, yeah, it seemed impossible, but I, I did manage over the years to sort of work my way into that industry and um, yeah, had, had many, many adventures since then, so. Well, we're, we're coming to the end of a, a, a year and there'd be a lot of kids that are kind of just about to enter the workforce and, and might be kind of wondering what they want to be when they grow up and, and a lot of course at the age of 18, 19, 20 you don't really have those those answers but and mm-hmm. I guess um, when you're in a, a good job and then you kind of abandon the security of the known and jump into the world of the unknown which is essentially what you did do because there's not a whole lot of financial security associated with uh, acting um, you know how, how did your family respond and um, and uh, and how did you make that transition out of the, the safe confines of uh, the permanency of Holden's work, mm. as it was 20 years ago, uh, to uh, jumping into the, the the unknown world of of, of acting, yeah. the disability associated with that it must be challenging. Is it something that came to mind, or was it just the enthusiasm at the time to jump in and see what happened? Yeah, a lot of enthusiasm at the time, and probably a lot of just faith in you know if I really go for this, if I really persist, something will come of it. Mm-hmm. But but like you said, it was different times, and it was very hard to get information back then. Really. The only place you could really get information was the magazines, the newspapers, and maybe the TV. Um, but it was kind of hard because there was no God. Even now with acting, there's no set career path. There's no clear path to follow. Um, there's certainly no guaranteed, um, you know, work. Uh, you're just sort of, you know, in between jobs, looking, waiting for your next um, TV or film gig. So it was pretty daunting. It, it, to be honest, it really seemed pretty much impossible. And I would, and I would say that whoever I told about it. You know, I guess that was sort of the vibe. It was that's well, that's geez, that's pretty far. That's pretty out there, and it probably was because um, it's certainly not an easy thing to get into. But having said that, certain people, you know, were very um, um, supportive because everyone kind of, I think most people want to support people in their dreams, really. Yeah. You know, and um, you know, I found that most people were fairly positive, even though it was something that most people didn't have any knowledge of or. Yeah, so I sort of, it was it was very much a, um, I felt like I was a bit blindfolded for quite a few years there because I didn't know where to go to, to get into that industry. I didn't know what was the right sort of way to go about it. And a lot of it was trial and error and, um, yeah, bumping into things and scratching my head and trying to figure out what the hell just happened and what do I do? Yeah. It was, it was yeah, it was very much um, uh, trial and error. Yeah, yeah. And um, like you said, in the pre-internet era you really had to talk to people or read books or yeah. buy a magazine and yeah. um, but also the, the the there was a real bottleneck in terms of if you were to six or are to succeed in that business um, then you would have to you know be connected to the right people and, mm. and that type of thing even more so than than perhaps now definitely and so you um so you, you persisted and it seemed like um friends and family really you know kind of bought into your enthusiasm for it and um and there's a certain romanticism that's associated with with acting and uh and with that career of uh you know tv and film that um is very 
alluring for, for many and makes it easy for them to, to buy into your dream. Uh, everybody uh, you know, wants to know somebody famous, I guess, but um, what was your first taste of fame or, or that perhaps you, the decision that you made uh, to leave Holden's and to embark upon this new journey was the right one? Was there a moment or a, or a role or something that popped up that really gave you a sense of, hmm, I'm on the right track here? I, 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 yeah. Um, I think, I'm, I'm trying to think of what my very first job was. One of the very, very early ones, I was sort of about 20, 21, 22, and I, I actually signed up with um, South Australian Casting here in Adelaide, which was a casting agency, and also started doing uh, part-time acting classes there. And I think I was one of the lucky ones. I actually did get start getting you know, going to auditions pretty um, early in the piece. And I, I did land a, a couple of things, like a TV commercial. I think the first one was a, a Pizza Haven TV commercial. Right. And, yeah. And um, I think you'd know, Dave, um, from our high school drama experiences, <laughs> that I was not really um, naturally versed in, you know, certainly not an extrovert. I was pretty much an introvert. And I wasn't really... It was something I really had to work at to be able to get into that field. But... That first Pizza Haven ad, it, two things sort of hit me with that. Number one, I was an introvert and I got incredibly nervous to the point where all I really had to do was walk past the camera holding the, the, uh, the pizza and just smile. Yeah. But I was getting so nervous um, being my first acting job that I, what happens with me is when I get nervous, sometimes my, well, back in the old days, my face, I don't have control over the facial muscles. So oh. that happened when I was filming that and um, I couldn't smile. So, so your face was having some kind of like oh, a logical response yeah. to the nervousness and you, yeah. were, you were just a... Yeah, yeah. Wow. I went into fight, flight or freeze, basically just Thanks froze. And um, I remember the director coming around and saying, oh, Dan, we've just got to get Please that smile a bit bigger, you know. And, um, all right, let's go again. Take two. Same thing. I couldn't smile. And I went, oh, God. And when that happened, yeah. I just felt something saw me go, oh, God, I'm in trouble. I'm yeah. in, this sucks. Um, I'm not an actor. can't do this. I want to go home. <laughs> Basically, that was it. Um, and then, and then the director came over and said, "Daniel, we got to get the smile happening." And every time I tried, it got even worse. And oh. I got this this frozen face <laughs> syndrome, what I'd like yep. to call it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, eventually, the, the director came and said, "Look, producers are here, and like, we're starting to get a bit nervous." And I was like, "God!" So I, somehow, I just I forced this smile, and it kind of worked. And that was it. Okay, great, got it. But after that experience, I could very easily have thought, you know what, this isn't for me. No, nah, can't do this. Because it did feel horrible, like being that, that sort of pressure and then not being able to perform. Yeah. Performance pressure. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, it felt, it felt very uncomfortable, didn't like it. I thought I did, I did contemplate just, you know, I'm just going to go home, going to pretend this never happened and yep. let's just... Um, I don't have to tell anyone about I wanna, it. I'm going to go back to Holden's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I guess I looked at it then, I thought, wow, you know what? This whole acting thing, this could be a self-development path. Oh, right. This, okay. this could be a path for personal development because yeah. I am shy. I am a bit of an introvert. I don't like talking in front of um, a bunch of people. I don't like being in front of a group, crowd. Hang on, maybe this could help me. Mm. So that's when I stuck with the classes. Yeah. And, and I did find a gradual improvement. And, um, you know, and one thing led to another. And then another gig came up and I started feeling a little bit more comfortable with every, every little acting job that I got. Yeah. So in, in spite of your natural disposition, you, you really forced yourself to become that actor. So it wasn't so much the performance, the buzz of performance you were after. There was a, what, what was behind your motivation, do you think? To, was it, I want to be famous or I want to um, uh, be like Bruce Lee or Jean-Claude Van Damme or one of your idols or whatever it might be? Or, yeah. You know, it, uh, was it, uh, 
I think that was. I think there was two sides to it. One was that that personal development side that I just mentioned. I thought, you know, this could be a way for me to to become more than what I am, to sort of like grow as a person, to sort of come out of my shell a bit. That could yeah. be really good. And the other side of it, I think, looking back, was um, just wanting to be somebody. Yeah. Because I don't know about you, you might have felt the same. And sort of when we were going to high school, just felt like a bit of a nobody. And that, that's just, uh, I guess, you I know, every teenager. every teenager probably goes through that. And, and that's how I felt as well. And I, I just felt like, yeah, I want to be someone. I want to I want to have a bit of a voice. I want to be heard. And uh, combine that with, of course, wanting to emulate film heroes and stuff and thinking, God, if, if they did it, why can't I? I mean, yeah. does it matter where you've grown up? Does it matter where you live? I mean, surely if you've got the desire to do something, there's a way to do it. Yeah. So it's probably those three things. Yeah. And so you... you so you survived the Pizza Haven ad. You survived walked away, it. Walked away with the taste of it, <laughs> and um, and you're on the journey now. What, what was kind of the next big thing that kind of popped up on your radar in the acting world thereafter? Um, small things. I did a few corporate films, um, which were really good. The sort of in-house corporate films where you you got a bit of a storyline, you're the lead actor, and and you got uh, you got a bit of a um, story related to whatever industry it is. And I did a few of those, and they were great because I, I got some experience there, feeling a bit more comfortable in front of the camera. And all that. Um, then I, I went on to full-time study after that. Did a degree at Flinders um, University, a performing arts degree. And it, it was sort of during that time where I started going overseas to Hong Kong, and I started um, getting a bit of work in Hong Kong action movies. So, so what took you to Hong Kong? I mean, that's a big move. Like you, you're studying at uni, and then so what? What happened transpired for you to get to Hong Kong in the first place? Okay, um, so I'd been watching Hong Kong movies since I was about ten. Yeah. Um, loved the kung fu movies, all Hong, everything Hong Kong. Yeah. And. Um, I'd collected a, a probably oh, 100, 150 magazines as well, all about Hong Kong movies and action films. And Bruce Lee fans. Massive Bruce Lee fan since I was a kid. Um, just always had a had a real fascination with with Hong Kong movies and and you know going over to Asia. And uh, while I was at uni, there was a chance to do an exchange program with the Shanghai Theatre Academy. Mm-hmm. And I instantly put my hand up and I thought, oh, that'd be fantastic. This is, yeah. this is brilliant. Um, so I, I got accepted into that and we went as a group um, with some of the other students and some of the uh, teachers there at Flinders Uni, went over to Shanghai Theatre Academy to study with the local Shanghai students at their um, Dramatic Academy and that was fantastic. I mean, it was my first time overseas. I was 26, so yeah, 26. Um, first time overseas, got to meet some fantastic people over there, made some really, really good friends and it was... Um, I. I, I didn't feel a massive culture shock. I kind of like felt, oh, I felt quite comfortable within the first few days. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, given that you'd never been overseas. Yeah. Uh, and and that there is, I mean, it's not like you went to New Zealand or anything. I mean, you couldn't really go to anywhere much more different than yeah. Yeah, exactly. Asia at that <laughs> point. Yeah. So, uh, and, and so you get there, there, there's not so much of a culture shock. You're kind of experiencing things. And what kicked off for you over there? So I was there for a couple, oh God, it was a couple of weeks and um, I, I was sort of crossing the road. I was going to a restaurant to get some food and, and there, was a, there was a Western gentleman walking towards me across the, uh, from the other side of the crossing. And there wasn't really that many Westerners in this particular area at the time. And I, I recognized him. He was in his seven, oh, 60s at that time maybe. And I thought, I know him. He was one of the actors in Bruce Lee's movie, The Way of the Dragon. Okay. He was the mafia boss. He yeah, was the yeah. big boss. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, you've got to be kidding. So I, inst- I stopped him halfway across the road. I said, 
John Ben? And he said, yes. And I said, my God, what are you doing here? He goes, I just moved here a few weeks ago. I'm, I'm working, managing a restaurant across the road. I thought, wow, what a coincidence. Yeah. What an amazing coincidence. Yeah. Literally one in a, probably one in a billion. Yeah, yeah. And um, I said, oh my God, I'm a huge Bruce Lee fan. I love Way of the Dragon. I, you know, I've probably watched you in that a thousand times since I was a kid. And he said, look, here's my card. Give me a call. Oh. You know, we'll, we'll have a catch up and talk, talk a bit about Bruce Lee, you yeah. know, on the weekend. Yeah. So I jumped at that and I yeah, got to hang out with, uh, with John uh, that evening and he told me some fantastic stories about working with Bruce Lee and, and all that sort of stuff and showed me some of his um, photos with Bruce. And it was just absolutely brilliant. And um, I, I happened to mention that I'm an actor and I'm doing martial arts and, and all this kind of thing. And he said, well, look, I know a producer in Hong Kong who's um, producing a Jackie Chan movie right now. If you give him a call, you might be able to get on set. And I said, oh, really? So um, uh, he gave me the details of this producer in Hong Kong, gave him a call, and he was uh, kind enough to invite me onto the set of The Twins Effect, which was a, a Jackie Chan... Well, it was Jackie Chan had a, had a role in it. Um, this is 2002, I believe, now. And um, I went straight to Hong Kong to, um, uh, to go and, and, and meet this, this gentleman, and, and uh, I was invited onto the set got to meet Jackie Chan and, and one thing led to another I got a small part in it to do some action playing a vampire and, and uh, so everybody yeah. else went back to uni you <laughs> to I abandoned everyone <laughs> no um, they, they went back to the uni I, I cut that uni trip short by probably a week or two yeah. um, I just saw this as a huge opportunity oh, and, and, uh, and jumped on it and, and, and um, yeah flew over there to Hong Kong first time in Hong Kong which was incredible it was like my god this place is amazing yeah, and for, first time in Hong Kong, first time on a, a major movie set. Yeah, time. yeah. And and, and what, what was that like? Oh, it was it was brilliant. Jackie Chan was there, and and uh, I got to meet him. Very very friendly, and um, within a week, I think I was actually working on the film, doing some action, doing yeah. some wire work. You know, a bit of a little bit of a fight scene, and um, it was just brilliant. And that set off a, a bit of a chain of events that led to me going back every year or two to work in a Hong Kong film. And um, yeah, I didn't look back. That was really, really a good time. Incredible. So uh, fast forward now, um, it's fair to say that you spend spent much of your adult life uh, in that part of the world. Yeah. Um, and and um, and so, um, uh, firstly, um, how do you balance this this life now? So you've got this uh, almost this quite a normal life when you when you're back home. Mm. You, when you're in as you're playing you know you're, you're doing you're playing these roles you've got quite an extraordinary life does, does it feel like there's a life of two halves there yeah definitely definitely um my acting work in australia has because uh, i spent 13 years in melbourne um it's it's mainly been um you know dramatic roles on television shows so a lot of, yeah. a lot of guest roles on on tv shows um did underbelly did mcleod's daughters did um See Homicide, a whole bunch of, of series. Mini series and stuff. Yeah, yeah, just just did a, a mini series uh, against Roll just the other week. Um, Halifax Retribution, which mm -hmm. is Rebecca Gibney's uh, comeback in that particular role, yeah. which was absolutely fantastic. Got to work with uh, Anthony Lapalia, Rebecca, and, and a few others. Um, that was a really good experience. So we're doing the dramatic stuff in in Australia, and then of course mostly action films in Asia. So. Yeah. You got to work in Hong Kong. I've worked in Vietnam. I've worked in China, uh, Thailand. Done done quite a few films in Ch Thailand now, which has been another fantastic experience. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it does feel a bit like two completely separate lives, to be honest. Um, 
uh, anyone who's lived in Asia know it's a very different sort of lifestyle. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it's 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 been interesting. Yeah, it's it's it is it is like two different life, completely different lifestyles. Yeah. And uh, so, if you, I mean, this is quite an extraordinary journey, and and I think when you've uh, had the lived experience, it can sometimes feel somewhat uh, less than that. But you've. Um, uh, you've really laid down a path for, for many and I'm sure that there's a, a, a lot of kids out there that are you know thinking I would love to be a, be an actor I'd love to find my way into that field and kind of feel that and your experience has been in Australia a lot of opportunities been quite limited but you've worked a niche in into uh, overseas that might not have been necessarily um, a pathway exposed to you early on in your career yeah yeah certainly wasn't I guess yeah I guess you it's true that there's no single um, correct path in in terms of having an acting career um, I mean I ended up a couple of years ago doing a German TV series which we shot in Vietnam mm-hmm. um, I mean I never thought I'd do anything like that yeah. I, I did done some Netflix movies in Thailand uh, American Netflix films um, you know China productions in China itself so I've lived in China for a year never thought I would do that um, I, I never thought I would work in Hong Kong films the way I have I guess it's wherever you're working in the world it's that common language of filmmaking yeah. so it all it all in a way feels quite familiar yeah um, it's a common sort of language when you're on set and making a movie um, but in terms of the the niche that I guess I've sort of fallen into yeah it's it's an interesting you've got to really f- forge your own path there's no set way of doing it yeah, yeah. And um, the natural pathway for many is to try and find their way to Hollywood. And you had that experience of going over there and uh, looking into that world. Mm. What were some of your impressions of that and uh, what were some of your takeaways? Sure. I went over to LA for pilot season, so I spent three months over there in, um, God, when was that? About seven years ago, I think. Um, and yeah, it's a whole different world again. Um, very exciting um the energy there was fantastic got to meet you know so many other actors who are pursuing it really is a life passion and um but of course then it hits you oh my god the competition you know the the the, the way you've got to sort of um be in it for the real long haul it's not a not a sprint it's definitely a marathon la is not the easiest place in the world to live long term i'm pretty sure anyone who lives there would agree to that yeah. um but very exciting place fantastic energy um at the time, though, I didn't feel it was right for me to base myself there. Um, given that it's it's a little difficult for Australians to get the uh, the correct vi- work visas to work in film over there, um, so I continued on the sort of the path that I was on, which was working a lot in Asia, Australia, um, and still auditioning for for roles in um, pilot um, episodes of TV series and things like that for the US. Mm-hmm. Now, with the internet and everything, it's great. You're actually able to audition from wherever you happen to be. Yeah. You can film it on your iPhone, send it online. Um, as long as you've got an agent and they're sending it to the right casting directors in the US, you can still at least be looked at for some of those projects. So, yeah, it was a fantastic experience. Um, um, I'd love to go back, so perhaps that's some. And, and uh, I mean, you've worked through the whole spectrum now from, from being a young actor to, uh, you know, the, the, the young guy on set to now being one of the more mature heads on set now in your 
approaching your mid forties. What, what what's changed for you in the maybe the last ten or so years that you've noticed? Is it uh, the nature of roles that changed, or the limitations of your own physicality have meant that you've had to approach your work differently? Like what what's been the the evolution of the last few years, or maybe the challenges of the last ten or so years as you've matured in the in the acting uh, fraternity? I think that. When you're starting out in acting, especially when you're young, you want to be able to do everything. You want to you want to think that you could play every single role. Um, and I think what happens is, as time goes on, you kind of um, start realizing what your strengths and weaknesses are. And yes, perhaps working on your weaknesses, but realistically, you're probably going to get cast more to your strengths. Um, ultimately, you're going to be cast in certain types of roles. And I think as I've gotten older, those certain types of roles uh, have become much clearer. You know, we're you know we're talking sort of. Um, um, you know, police officers, detectives, um, military type um, characters, uh, uh, you know, sort of, I, I guess, strong, yeah, strong leading men, which yeah. is, um, I'm not going to complain about that, it's, they're, they're all good roles, um, but, but you don't sort of think, you know, you don't sort of try to do everything anymore, you, you know, you, you sort of, you are a brand and you're a product in, in a sense, so you've got to sort of market yourself in, in that way. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and like I say, you're, you're approaching your mid forties now, and you're about six foot tall, a hundred kilos, strong, in great physical condition, um, and, uh, uh, and and so is I kind of get the feeling you'd probably be like that even if you weren't acting. But does the acting kind of serve as a as a is it? I guess you're 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 working on your your tool of trade, aren't you? When you working to keep mm. your physicality and your strength and the like. I guess so, and I think it's sort of gone that way because of the action f film side of things. Yeah. If, I, if I wasn't doing that, I might not be hitting the gym so hard and all that because it, it probably does limit you for certain roles. You know, you're probably seen as a, a little bit too sort of um, physical for certain dramatic roles, you know, just playing the sort of dad next door sort of thing. Yeah. But, um, you know, I love the gym, I love working out, so... I think it's probably something I would do anyway, um, even though it does limit me for certain roles. But it's the same as like, you know, I've got the short hair. I mean, that's yeah. an another limitation for certain roles. Yeah. Um, you get perceived in a certain way. I, I'm not so worried about being typecast because yeah. I think if you're getting typecast, it means you're getting work. You're a niche. Yeah, you, you, you understand who you are as well. And, they yeah. know, and so that's become very much your brand now is that yeah. kind of military, masculine, uh, strong mm. type of... Maybe bad guy. Have been getting a lot of villain, yeah, villainous type roles, which yeah, kind of surprised when I was younger. I didn't see myself that way, but yeah, um, I've been getting a lot of villainous type roles, and that's been a lot of fun. I mean, well, you, you were in that recent movie with uh, Michael J. White and um, uh, Michael Bisping, and yes, you know, some pretty kind of uh, I guess you could say hardcore characters, you know, and, mm. and physically pretty. Uh, pretty strong looking guys and oh, yeah. well you're you're there on set and you just look like you you know you're in in with those guys there, there's no you know it, when you when you're watching that that movie do you pinch yourself and think look there I am I'm with these with these big names in not just in movie but they've of course accomplished uh, mm. a lot outside of the, the the film industry but you know there you are you're on set with these big names Does, do you kind of pinch yourself or you know, definitely to, yeah. yeah yeah definitely um I mentioned in another interview the other week that 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 particular film Triple Threat was was just such a great opportunity because as you said you've got these these action stars who I've been watching on DVD for years and years and years Michael Jai White um, Tony Jaa um, Iko Uwais and and um, 
in a whole slew of others. Scott Atkins, fantastic actor from England who's just been doing the most amazing action film work for quite a long time now. Um, it was just such a trip to work with these guys. And as you said, you know, I think on my first day, my f one of my first scenes was that, that scene in the, in the hut where they've got me uh, sort of, you know, handcuffed and all these guys have got machine guns, all these big action stars. And um, it was my job as an actor, the character, to sort of, um, you know, threaten all these guys and, and put the fear of God into them with what I was saying. And it was like, I, I did think for a minute, oh my God, how am I going to do that? We've got <laughs> action stars here. They've all got the guns. I'm standing here handcuffed. I'm probably going to get shot. Um, it was, it was really trippy. And I had to take a deep breath and go, wow. But you know what? This is what I've been studying all this for for so many years and yeah, yeah. practicing and trying to get better at it and and it was just fantastic and I was really happy with that scene actually and thanks to our brilliant director who, um, Jesse Johnson who just you know really um, he worked with me and gave me a great opportunity with those scenes so thank you Jesse that was awesome really appreciate it so um, what, what, what's uh, what's on the horizon what, what are the challenges ahead for you now well I think the challenge is the same as every actor just you know getting more getting more work getting more more constant work um i and, think and do you think that's in australia or do you really think that's that's now your future really is overseas partly in australia i mean like i said did that um mini series the other week but i, I do think really you know you have to expand and, and sort of look at the overseas um what's going on where are the hot spots where are things being filmed and sort of uh next year looking at um Europe and, and still looking at Thailand as usual. I think it's a great place, great crews there, great um, uh, performers in Thailand. So that's a fantastic place to work. But also looking at Europe now, there's a lot of, lot of Netflix movies being made and, and TV series and things like that. Yeah. So expanding outwards and and, and um, yeah, happy to say that I'm now a dual Australian and British citizen. So hopefully that'll open a few doors in the um, in the other side of the world. Yeah. So. What would you say to yourself, um, or to, to, uh, or to perhaps a, a young actor who's, uh, you know, just in that stable job, who's in that kind of that Holden's job right now, that's dreaming of, of becoming an actor, but really has no reason to ever feel that it'd be successful in it. What would be your advice to somebody in that situation? Okay. Well, firstly, what I would say to myself is, don't be a dickhead. Stay in that job an extra year. <laughs> Stay, stay at Holden's an extra year. <laughs> Buy that investment property on two, Daniel. Daniel. And um, then go and do the acting. Right. right? Okay. So, <laughs> so, so getting your financial base together before you maybe yep. launch into that uh, career is something you'd recommend to people? I would because it can be so touch and go and it's, it's difficult to, you know, you've, you do have to have other jobs while you're pursuing acting. You've got to have other sources of income. And um, sometimes these jobs have to be jobs that you could leave at a moment's notice because, um, you know, if you do get an acting job, it can come up very quickly. So it, it can be very tricky to negotiate that. Having a bit of a uh, safety net behind you, maybe an investment property or you know, a bit of a nice safety net in the bank, I think it's always a good thing. So make the most of whatever job you're in now. You know, be smart with your money, save something, get an investment um, and get yourself in a good position. And then, you know, pursue your passions part-time. But once you're able to, yeah, go for it. Because really with acting, you do have to really throw yourself into it. Yeah, immerse right. yourself fully. I reckon that's great advice because the the now looking back, you know, the the race is long. It know, is. It's, it's long. 
It's um, and 20 years can go just like that. But mm-hmm. when you're 22 years old, you know, you're not necessarily thinking about laying the foundations uh, for the future. But so I think that spectacular advice, Daniel, is to, um, you know, look to secure uh, some degree of uh, financial certainty and, and then embark upon, embark upon your dreams and look to build upon the, the strong foundations that you've already laid for yourself. Mm. And uh, that way you can dedicate yourself fully mm. um, to the pursuit of whatever it is that you might be uh, hoping to achieve. I think so. so. So wherever you are now, whatever job you're doing, um, and even if you don't like it, you want to do something else, look at it as a positive thing. Make the most of it uh, while you've got it and uh, allow that to help you transition into pursuing a, maybe a passion or if you want to be an actor, pursue acting or whatever it may be. So um, if uh, people want to uh, check uh, you out a little bit more, Daniel, um, what's some recent movies that they could head down to the video store or if oh, or jump on the video store anyway. Unfortunately, no. There is no video stores. It sucks. Pacific Video closed yeah, yeah. from our place about three months ago. It was <laughs> the second to last one in the country or something. Yeah. Um, so um, so if people wanted to check out some of your your recent, um, recent work. Okay. Well, we've got Triple Threat on, I think it's on Netflix right now, which I've, I've got that um, small part in. Um, I do have a film called uh, Troy and the Odyssey a DVD which is on DVD now which is at Sanity um, and JB Hi-Fi you can see that one Um, as I said Halifax Retribution should be coming out hopefully in 2020 that'll be interesting and um, yeah I guess Netflix is the is the vi- is the video store now, isn't it? That's yeah, it really is. Yeah. Really is. Um, and as you were saying, some some things that we can't necessarily talk about that are very mm. much on the horizon mm. uh, on the other side of the world. There, so definitely. Um, oh, I've got Abduction as well, which just came out on Blu-ray, I believe. Abduction, okay. which Abduction. is another film with Scott Adkins. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, um, well, thanks so much for joining us, Daniel. You know, my, my, my real takeaways from this is one: you know, it, it doesn't matter what your ambitions might be. It doesn't matter how silly that might that dream might seem to others. Um, but if you if you really follow the light of, of, of that journey, ultimately you'll come out the other side of it. Um, the other thing there is, on a practical note, that you know if you are planning to ded- dedicate your life to something, there's no harm in dedicating a couple of years to laying good good foundations in behind you, Definitely. so that you can um, you know continue full steam ahead without having yep. to look uh, behind um, and um, and uh, and the like. So I, I think that's a that's something else that. Um, people can really take away from the podcast and a good way of doing that is as you mentioned you know if you bought a couple of places uh, when you were working at Holden's 20 or so years ago those properties would have more than tripled in value and although no there's doubt. no guarantee that will happen in the future there's mm. it is undeniable that property over a length of time shows yep. that trend of increasing in value and so just remember the race is long and if you're 20 now there's uh, still you know a good 50 years of work and maybe even longer in, in a job like yours for instance where you know you see people acting right until their 70s and 80s and 90s and yep. it's a little bit like golf there's no, never really a reason to retire for as long as you're That's breathing <laughs> you can do it exactly. so um so thanks so much mate for for joining me on the podcast and sharing somewhat of your story and i hope it serves as some inspiration to uh, those people out there young and old awesome thank you for having me absolute pleasure thanks dave awesome great thanks guys well, thanks again, everybody, for tuning into the podcast. Um, I hope you're really enjoying um, the, uh, this interview here today. Was uh, something I've been really looking forward to sharing Daniel's story. I, I really do think it's inspirational, and and it really is amazing to the extent that you know people do get pulled along in the wake of uh, your aspirations and ambitions, regardless of if that's convinced uh, me and my life in real estate. You know, it's required a great great deal of support, especially of friends and family, so who don't see me much at family gatherings or or birthday parties on the weekends or. or 
or and my family do do often miss me there on the weekends but um so through their support and in daniel's case you know the enthusiasm that he shows for for his passion in acting is something that is contagious and and other people really buy into it so whatever it is that is your passion just remember everybody out there is really sensitive to that and really want to jump on board and support you with it and if it's something that's going to be a, a career change as dramatic as going from a factory to finding yourself on a a, a movie set with jackie chan well uh, that's a dream that's not too big for you i'm dave from real and i look forward to bringing you more in our next podcast Thanks for tuning in again to this episode of the Dave Sovereign Podcast. Please follow us on Facebook or subscribe to us on iTunes and we look forward to bringing you more next week.